0: Shalom Mishbucha. Shalom family. Mishbucha is a Hebrew word means family, and we're the mishpucha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. Where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man. you know what I was thinking about uh, this morning, uh, Oral Roberts, and remember he used he was the one that coined. God is a good God. Of course, he plagiarized. It came from the Bible. But I feel like I have to say that to you. God is a good God. And the more I walk with him, which is 40 years now, the more I realize what a good God he is. Now, what I'm going to teach on this week is probably one of the most important messages short of your salvation you will ever hear. Because if you don't understand what I'm going to teach, you will not understand the end times, and you will not understand what God is up to right now. So I'm going to start with a question. Why has the Jew been persecuted in every generation? And some might say, well, because uh, from the seed of a Jew came Jesus. And that's a good answer. But the truth is he already came. He already was born, lived, died, rose from the dead. So why is the Jew still persecuted? You must understand that. There is a reason. Sometimes I think the devil understands the prophetic word of God better than most Christians. But it cannot be that way. Now, let's go back to the beginning of the hatred between the devil and the Jew. It starts in Genesis, the third chapter, the 15th verse. And I will put enmity, this is God speaking, and enmity means hatred. I will put hatred between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head And of course, he's speaking to the devil, and you recognize if someone's head is smashed, they can't operate their body. So he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the devil. So if (laughs) you were the devil, you would say, I got to get rid of this woman. And it's certainly her seed, the Jewish people, otherwise my head's going to get crushed. And we're also told about this miraculous child that would crush the head of the serpent in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. And if you look up the word in the Hebrew, the word sign means a miraculous sign, something that transcends a normal event. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a supernatural sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, if you look up the word virgin in the Hebrew, it's Alma, which means a young woman, and in modern uh, Hebrew, uh, could mean also a virgin. And because it means a young woman, many think it's not a virgin. But they don't understand the Torah. You see, it's, the, the word Alma means a young woman of marriageable age. And back then, if a young woman of marriageable age was not a virgin, she was stoned to death. So, of course, it had to be a virgin. And it wouldn't have been a supernatural sign if it was uh, just a young woman. So, let's look at this prophecy again. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a miraculous sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, the word Emmanuel in the Hebrew means God is with us. I mean, how could you be any more specific? God is with us. And this amazing God is with us is described in Isaiah 52, verse 13, to 53, verse 12. And I'm going to read to you from the One New Man Bible. And remember, this prophecy was written 800 plus years before Jesus even came to earth. And, in fact, no one has tampered with this. Now, how can I say no one has tampered with the Word of God? Easy. We found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I personally have seen the prophet Isaiah from the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Museum of the Book in Israel, and no one has tampered with the Word of God. So, some 800-plus years before Jesus was conceived in a woman— that was a virgin, and this son was called Emmanuel. God is with us. This is what Isaiah prophesied about this amazing seed. Behold, my servant will succeed. I love that, don't you? I love the One New Man Bible. My servant will succeed. He will be exalted and extolled and will be very high. So we know this is going to be a very exalted servant of God that is coming that cannot fail. He will succeed. As many as were astonished at you, his face was disfigured more than any man's. And his form more than the sons of men. And when the Messiah was beaten, the crown of thorns, crucified... He was disfigured more than any man. But I believe Isaiah is seeing in the spirit because his disfiguration was not just his physical body. But he was disfigured because he took every disease, every pain, every sin of every human in history upon himself. He could not have been more disfigured. Who would have believed our report? Now, first of all, who's speaking? Isaiah the prophet. So he's saying, who's going to believe the prophet's report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, the arm of the Lord, you just skip uh, down to Isaiah fifty-nine 16, and it tells us who the arm of the Lord is. God is speaking, and God says, he saw that there was no man. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation. So to whom is the arm of the Lord going to be revealed? God's own arm brought salvation. And I looked up the Hebrew word, and it's a form of Yeshua, Jesus. God's own arm brought Jesus, salvation. For he, verse 2, For he grew up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. This sounds like the virgin birth again. Have you ever seen a tender plant and a root grow in completely dry ground? It would take a miracle. He has no, had no form or splendor. And when we, that's talking about the Jewish people, see him, there's no beauty that we should even desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of pains and having known about sickness, disease, and as one from whom men hide their face. In fact, when the ancient rabbis read this, they said, oh, it sounds like he has leprosy upon him. And they used to call this one the leprous Messiah because they saw all sorts of disease and sickness on him. Goes on to say he was despised and we, that's the Jewish people, esteemed him not. Verse 4. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and our pains. And that word borne in the Hebrew is nasa. And that's the word used for the scapegoat. When the high priest would put his hands on the scapegoat and confess the sins of all of the Jewish people and they would nasa, they would bear him away to a place where he'd never be seen again. So surely he shall nasa our sicknesses. And our pains to never be seen again. He carried them. Yet we esteemed him. See, we thought he was stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded because of our transgressions. Bruised because of our iniquities. The chastisement or punishment of our peace. And the word peace is completeness. So we could not have the completeness. It's the word shalom. Shalom. The punishment for our completeness, it was upon him. He took the punishment so we could be complete. And we have been healed by his wounds. I love that. We've been healed by his wounds. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one to his own way. And the Lord has caused the iniquity That's the heart wounds as well as the physical wounds of us all to fall upon him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb which is brought to the slaughter and like a sheep is mute before her shearers, when he was before Pontius Pilate, he didn't even defend himself. For he was cut off out of the land of the living. He was stricken because of the transgressions of my people, the transgressions of the Jewish people. And one made his grave among the wicked. There was a thief on either side of him when he was crucified. And his tomb among the rich. He was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, a wealthy man. Although he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. By his knowledge, my servant will justify the righteous before many, and he will bear their iniquities. In other words, by knowledge of him, we will be made righteous and we will be justified. I'll pick up right here on tomorrow's broadcast. You must hear this week's teaching. We're making available our classic One New Man Bible. It's bonded leather. It has 4,000 footnotes. You see, most Jewish people understood the Jewishness of the whole Bible, old, the, the entire Tanakh, the entire Old Testament, it didn't have to be explained. The New Testament, it didn't have to be explained because everyone understood their Jewish roots. But today, most Christians are ignorant of it. So there's 4,000 footnotes for you to understand what you must understand to for a clear understanding of the Word of God. 170 pages of glossary. And then this Bible recaptures the power of the New Covenant. And why do I say the power of the New Covenant? Because the translators did not understand the supernatural. But this was translated by a messianic Jew that understood the supernatural. What crisp understanding of the power of God. We're making the One New Man Bible, my book, The Incomplete Church, and the Feasts of the Bible guide, all available for a gift of $79. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. It is so obvious, Isaiah 53, written 800 years before Jesus came to earth, is a perfect description of the Messiah. I even read—I have absolute proof. You don't have to give me any more proof than this. My Orthodox Jewish father, who did not believe in Jesus, when I read the 53rd chapter of Isaiah to him, he said, Stop, you're reading from a Christian Bible. And I showed him, No, it's the Bible that I got at my bar mitzvah from the rabbi. But he knew it was talking about Jesus. So then the question I have to ask you is, Why doesn't every Jew see this? Well, there's several reasons. Number one, uh, we don't read the entire Bible in the Orthodox Jewish synagogue. We read the first five books of the Bible during the year, the Torah, and then we read selected passages. We read Isaiah 52 and we read Isaiah 54. Guess what chapter we leave out? Isaiah 53. So most Jewish people have never seen this. But there are actually reasons why Jewish people do not know Jesus is the Messiah. Now, here are the three reasons that I believe Jewish people don't understand that Jesus is the Messiah. Number one, the Bible says we have spiritual scales upon our eyes. Number two, Jewish people have been taught not what a Jew is, but what a Jew is not. What I mean by that is we've been taught we can't be Jewish and believe in Jesus by the rabbis. But guess what? The rabbis aren't the only one that taught us that. The Christian church taught us that. The Christian church says you can't be Jewish and believe in in Jesus. You're now a Christian. You're no longer a Jew. And you see, the church doesn't understand. The rabbis are blind. They shouldn't understand. We we know that. But the church should understand because, you see, God says in Jeremiah chapter 31, as long as there's a sun and moon and stars in the sky, last time I checked there are, there'll be a physical Jew on the face of this earth. And If they understood the way God keeps us Jewish people maintained as the distinct group of people, it's almost like an instinct that is put within the heart of every Jew. Even a Jew that's an atheist, even a Jew uh, that's an agnostic will say, I was born a Jew and I will die a Jew. And that's how, against impossible odds, God has kept us as a distinct people. You want proof that the Bible is of God? It is impossible that the Jews still exist as a distinct people. We lost our temple. We lost our nation. We were scattered to the four corners of the earth. In every country we went to, we were persecuted, as the Torah said we would be. We should have been wiped out, or we should have all assimilated. But against impossible odds, God put this instinct within us. I was born a Jew, and I will die a Jew. And that's what has kept us a distinct people. So since we've been taught you can't be Jewish and believe in Jesus, and this instinct within us tells us I must be a Jew, it's a catch-22. You know, can you be a female and believe in Jesus? Of course you can. Do you remain a female if you believe in Jesus? Well, in the spirit there's no male or female, but in the natural there is. And in the spirit, there's no Jew and Gentile, but in the natural, there is. So the first is there's spiritual scales on our eyes. The second is we're taught we cannot be Jewish and believe in Jesus. And the third is we're taught that when the Messiah comes, and most Jews, they don't even know the Bible anymore. Um, Most Jews are secular today, but the ones that know the Scriptures are taught the Messiah would not come until there's peace on earth. And even the secular Jews know that. They say, look around, there's no peace. The Messiah can't be here. But you see, they don't know the Scriptures. The ancient rabbis, before there was prejudice, understood there were two different distinct descriptions of the Messiah in the Torah. The first description would be one they called Messiah Ben, Ben means son, Messiah, son of Joseph. You see, Joseph was rejected by his own brothers, thrown in a pit, left for dead. But he rose from the pit and he became the savior of the Jewish people. They called him Messiah Ben-Joseph. Ben... The second descriptions were like David. In other words, he would usher in an age of peace. And they called him Messiah, Ben, which means son, Messiah, son of David. And so, that you may be familiar with Isaiah 11. It says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and there'll be peace on earth. Well, we're taught about Messiah Ben-David, but we're not taught about Messiah Ben-Joseph. And, of course, just reading Isaiah 53, you would see one that would be rejected. And there were so many types we weren't taught of the Messiah. For instance, Moses was a type of the Messiah. Do you know we Jewish people rejected him the first time he came to us? But then when he returned, he was a Savior type. The same with Joseph. His brothers rejected him. When he returned, he was a Savior type. So the ancient rabbis said, there's obviously two messiahs. There's before Jesus came. And that was pretty good speculation for them at that point. But rather than two messiahs, now we're looking backwards. What about one messiah, two appearances? Makes sense, doesn't it? Well, because of the spiritual scales, it flat doesn't matter if it makes sense sense, as long as there's spiritual scales on the eyes of Jewish people. But despite these judgments that came upon Jewish people, let me read some of them to you. Deuteronomy 28, verse 63 to 65, uh, it has the three judgments that have come upon Jewish people. And The first judgment was we would be vomited out of our own land. The second judgment was we would be scattered to the four corners of the earth. And the third judgment was we would be persecuted. Deuteronomy 28, verse 63 through 65, list these three judgments. Just as the Lord has found great pleasure in causing you to prosper and multiply, The Lord will find pleasure in destroying you. You will be torn from the land you are about to enter and occupy. For the Lord will scatter you among all the nations from one end of the earth to the other. There among these nations you will find no peace or place to rest. And the Lord will cause your heart to tremble, your eyesight to fail, and your soul to despair. And then the fourth judgment is spiritual blindness found in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 10. Harden the hearts of these people, plug their ears, shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their heart, and turn to me for healing. Now, despite these three judgments, (laughs) the Jewish people were supernaturally preserved as i explained in jeremiah 31 35 as long as there's a sun and moon and stars there'll be a physical jew but god tells us clearly when the judgments will end on the jewish people and guess what the judgments have ended it's called the fullness of the gentiles it's mentioned twice in the new testament luke 21 24. And they, that's the Jewish people, will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times the Gentiles were fulfilled. Well, last time I looked, Jerusalem was in Jewish possession, and then Romans 1125 the only other thing necessary for the end of the judgment, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And I tell you that the blindness is over and Jewish people are coming to the Lord in large numbers. I've proven it in the ministry of the Messianic vision. It's supernatural. This is the set time to favor for Zion. The curses are lifted. The blindness is gone. Let me explain an insight that uh, Derek Prince taught me many years ago. God judges Israel for sin himself. But God uses Israel to judge the nations. If he wants a nation judged, all he does is bring them against Israel. Uh, Where does this come from? Well, the first scripture is Genesis 12.3. God says... I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. So, if you want to be blessed by God, you bless Israel. If you want to be cursed by God, you curse Israel. It could not be any clearer, except for Obadiah. He makes it clearer. In uh, chapter 1, verse 15, The day is near. And whenever it talks about the day of the Lord or the day, it is the day of the Lord. That's awesome day that he comes to judge the whole world. The day is near when I, the Lord, will judge all godless nations. As you have done to Israel, so it will be done to you. All your evil deeds will fall back on your own heads. And of course, the major thing that's going to trigger judgment in the last days, and every president in recent times has been trying to do this, and fortunately has not been successful. Every president of the United States, Joel chapter 3, verse 2, God says, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people my heritage Israel and here's the sin the nations will do whom they have scattered among the nations and they have also divided up my land so a major judgment is happening to planet earth when the land of Israel is divided just before the return of the lord incidentally Did you catch what I read from Joel chapter 3, verse 2? God calls Israel not the Jewish people's land, not the Arab people's land. He calls Israel my land. So who owns the land of Israel? God himself. Now, God owning the land has a right to lease it. And he has leased it to the Jewish people. He states it over and over again in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament. How long is the lease that God has with the Jewish people? Psalm 105, 8 through 11, tells us about the lease. He uses three descriptive words. He says, the lease is forever. Got that? In case you don't and you can't visualize forever, he knows that we humans are limited. He then says in the next line, for a thousand generations— And then in case you can't capture it forever and a thousand generations, it's gotta be so important to God to say it in three different ways. He says to Israel as an everlasting covenant, forever, a thousand generations, and everlasting. And what is it? To you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. So the lease of the land. That God says is my land. Can you understand why the living Bible says, He that touches Israel is the same as one that pokes their finger in God's eye? That's what you're doing when you touch Israel. Matthew, tw- unless you're blessing Israel. And Jesus said the same thing, by the way. Matthew 25, 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did. To one of the least of these, my brethren, Jesus says, you did it to me. Who is brethren? Well, look up the Greek word for brethren. It means from the physical womb. Who are Jesus' brothers from the physical womb? The Jewish people. And Jesus said, whatever you do to them, it's just like you're doing it to me. Now, here is the major reason the devil is trying to destroy the Jewish people, even after Jesus came. Yes, the devil understands the one new man. And I've been teaching on the one new man for decades now. And when I first started, it was heresy to Christians, and it was heresy to Messianic Jews, and it was a double heresy to traditional Jews. No one liked the one new man. But it wasn't my teaching, it was God's. And now it's being readily accepted. I've, you know, I, I, I wish I could teach things after the fact, but God has me normally teaching things before the fact. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, it's talking about Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one. Who were the only two people groups at that time, Jews and Gentiles? He's made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And what is the Hebrew word for peace? Shalom. I know this is in the Greek, but the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which means peace. Completeness, as if to say, you need the Jew and Gentile for completeness, and that's what Paul is saying in Ephesians 2:18, in whom you are built together into a habitation of God, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. As if to say, if you want a full dwelling place of God by the Spirit, you need the spiritual DNA of a Gentile Christian. And the spiritual DNA of a Jewish believer. And when the two merge together, you have the complete dwelling place of God by the Spirit. Now, Jesus said the same thing in John 17 20 to 1. I pray that they might be one. Who is they? Again, only two people groups the Jew and the Gentile. I pray that the Jew and Gentile might be one. And what happens when the two are one? The world will believe. You see why the devil is so nervous? <laughs> because Jewish believers are being grafted in to their olive tree once more. So John seventeen twenty one says not only will... The world believe when this happens. But then 22, Jesus says, and the same glory that is on me will be on them. Watch what the glory is going to be like on the church when the two become one. And when the two become one, Amos was beside himself, the great Jewish prophet. And he said in Amos 9, chapter 11, on that day, I will raise up The tabernacle of David. Now, the word tabernacle in the Hebrew means the house or the family of David. In that day, I will raise up the family of David into the Messiah. And when that happens, it describes a revival. The devil is so nervous about it. The harvest will be so great that it'll be the next year. The crops will be ready for harvest again, and they will not have picked all the fruit from the first harvest. That's what's going to happen when the tabernacle of David is restored. Paul, again, is besides himself in Romans eleven fifteen. For if there, that's the Jewish people, being cast away is the reconciling of the world, because when we Jewish people rejected our Messiah, the Gentiles, the whole world, the nations were grafted in, what will their acceptance be? But life from the dead, It'll be a resurrection power from the dead like the world has never seen. We're going to see what all of the prophets dreamt would happen. We're going to see people with missing limbs, the limbs being restored. We're going to see hospitals cleared out. And when is that going to happen? When the judgments are over on the Jewish people, the fullness of the Gentiles. That's where we're at right at this moment. Well, my time is up. Come on back tomorrow and let me finish up on this message. But I want to get something in your hand. You see, the first believers in the Messiah, they were all Jewish believers. And they understood what was going on in Judaism. So Paul and the apostles didn't have to write this out and spell it out because they they understood all of these things. But today the church doesn't understand its Jewish heritage. And that's why on the One New Man Bible, there are over 4,000 footnotes to explain this to you. Over 170 pages of glossary. It's bonded leather, the Old Testament portion— comes from an approved copy of the Jewish scriptures where the words were updated. Even the order of the books are slightly different uh, because they're correct. (laughs) What was done by King James is incorrect. You need a Jewish Bible to know the correct order, and it flows so much better. But the translation of the New Testament is over the top. Most of the people that worked on translations of the New Testament had many words to choose in English of the Greek. And they were all correct, but some were sharper and crisper than the others, if you understood the supernatural. But most of the translators did not understand the supernatural of God. And this new translation, the one new man Bible, has got both working for you. The power of the New Testament and the Jewish roots. We're making the Bible, my book that explains the last days, the incomplete church, and the Feasts of the Bible Guide to understand the Jewish Feasts, all available for a gift of $79. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 447 2697 I want you to know something. Messiah is getting ready to return. And you need to be red hot for the Messiah. History is about ready to repeat itself. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 3 in the New Living Translation says, On that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. Why do I say that? Well, God says I'll bless those who bless the Jewish people, curse those who curse them. God uses Israel to inflict his judgment on the nations. When you go against Israel, you're going against God. So I believe history is ready to repeat itself throughout the whole world. In Europe, I'm told things are as ferocious of anti-Semitic things an anti-Semitism against the Jew, as it was just before Hitler, took office. It's happening so quickly before our very eyes. And if you want to understand what's about ready to happen, you have to look at the end-time book to the Bible. Do you know what the end-time book is? I hear a lot of you saying, Revelation? Wrong. The end-time book that we have got to understand is the book of Esther. Why do I say that? I believe that Esther, spiritually speaking, is a type of the end-time church. Esther was an orphan. She had no mother or father. Gentiles or the nations were orphans. They had no connection to God. But God grafted them in to the spiritual seed of Abraham. So Esther was an orphan, and Esther was young and beautiful. And some of you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, Oh, I'm not so beautiful. Oh, I'm not so young. Well, let me tell you something. When God looks at you, he sees his son Jesus. He sees the righteousness of Jesus on you. You're not junk. You were created in God's image for good works. So Esther was young, an orphan, beautiful, and Esther was a virgin. Do you know, no matter what mistakes you've made in the past, if you've confessed your sins, he's just and faithful Esther to forgive you of all your unrighteousness and in God's sight, you are a virgin. Esther had favor from the king. Esther hid her Jewish connection. No one knew she was the seed of Abraham. Esther did one other thing, church, that you've got to be doing right now. Esther soaked in oil in preparation to meet the king for one year. Do you know how you soak in oil? Praying in supernatural languages. Do you know how you soak in oil? listen to anointed music, uh, and just soak up the presence of God. For a year, Esther prepared herself in the most beautiful perfume, and that's what goes on. When you're praying in tongues, when you're soaking in the Spirit, it comes up as beautiful perfume to God. Esther did one more thing, and she was the only one on the planet that could do it. She went to the king on behalf of the Jewish people, and the Jewish people's lives were spared. You know how Esther did that? Simple. Book of Esther says she equipped the Jewish people with the sword. What's the sword? A type of. The word of God. And they were to defeat their enemies. Who's their enemy? The anti-Semites? The people that hate the Jew? No, the spirit's behind that, and the only way those spirits in the invisible world can be defeated is the Word of God. So you can see why I say Esther is a definite type of the church. And then Mordecai, the one responsible for Esther being raised as an orphan, comes to her and says Esther in Esther 4:13 4, and 14 Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews for if you remain this is the church she's talking to right now Esther for if you remain completely silent at this time relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place but you and your father's house will perish yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this, Esther. Esther, this is your finest moment. You see, Esther, you have to understand, in the end times, Jews and Christians are in the same boat. The world is turning against the Jew. The world is turning against the the Christian. And when the two merge into the one new man, Nothing can stop them. It's a full dwelling place of God by His Spirit. In fact, when the tabernacle of David was restored, what happened? The greatest revival the world has ever seen. And when Esther, a type of the church, reached out to spare the Jewish people, it says revival broke out in the land among the Gentiles. I call that going to the Jew. First, which is God's method and law and strategy of evangelism. I have proved it over some 30 years of ministry. Here's where it comes from. When God wanted to reach the world, he started with a Jew, Abraham, because he so loved the whole world. When Jesus wanted to reach the world, he said, I go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When Paul wanted to reach the world, he said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first. And Esther 8.17 says, this was after Esther reached out to spare the Jewish people. Esther 8.17 says, then many of the people, that's the Gentiles, of the land, became Jews because that was before Christianity. It was the only way to be acceptable before God. I call it the law of evangelism. It's the devil's worst nightmare. I have found that when I reach out to the Jew first, it opens a bigger door of evangelism to Gentiles than if I'd reached out to the Gentile first. You can see why the devil wants to keep the law of evangelism such a secret. I mean, uh, it's the the law of healing is wonderful, and many Christians understand this, but how many understand the law of evangelism? Well, too much is given, much is required. By the way, when Mordecai the Jew, do you remember what happened to him? He was the one that raised. Esther, well, Mordecai was given the king's ring. Where was the king's ring? Haman had it. Where was the authority on planet Earth? The devil had it. Who rescued us from the devil's authority? Jesus. He's got the ring of authority now. And he has given us the right to use that name, name the name of Jesus. It's like everyone here is wearing that ring, that signet ring of Jesus. It's just as if Jesus is doing something. When you say something, it's just as if Jesus is commanding something. Recognize the authority that you have. Now, Esther tells us why Mordecai had so much favor. And you can have that same favor as Mordecai did. It says he was great among the Jewish people. He was held in high esteem because he continued to work for the good of his people. That's the Jewish people. And he spoke up for the welfare of all of the Jewish people's descendants. Do you see right now the best thing you can do for a Jewish person? It is good to help a Jewish person that's being persecuted get to Israel. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do on behalf of Jewish people. It is good to give humanitarian aid. But what good is that if they die without knowing Jesus? The best good you can do for Jewish people is to share the gospel with Jewish people. And now you can understand why God has raised up its supernatural Now you can understand why we have our mentoring program. Because if you can move in signs and wonders, who are signs and wonders for? It says the Jew requires a sign in the book of Corinthians to reach the Jew. You see, the job of the Gentile Christians is found in Romans 11.11. Salvation has come to the Gentile to provoke the Jew to jealousy. The job of the Jew is found in John chapter 4, verse 22. Salvation is of the Jews. So the job of the Jews is to reach the Gentile. The job of the Gentile is to reach the world. You merge the two together. You reach everyone. This is the one new man. Oh, my time is up. But I want you to get the most amazing Bible. You've never had a Bible like this before. It's called the One New Man Bible. It has over 4,000 footnotes, a 170-page glossary of things that the first believers in Jesus, they understood. And Jesus didn't think it was necessary to teach them these things because they knew all these things. The apostles didn't have to teach them these things. But Christians today... Don't have a clue of the parables and the understanding in the New Testament from your Jewish roots perspective. And this Bible captures two things, not just the Jewish roots, but the power of the New Testament. You see, when the New Testament was originally translated, it was translated by uh, wonderful translators. They could pick different English words for the Greek And then they did not understand the supernatural of God. And as a result, the power was lost on a lot of the passages in the New Testament. Jews have been programmed. You can't believe in Jesus and remain Jewish. But God has programmed a Jew to always want to be Jewish. So there's kind of a catch-22 going on. And then there's fear among Gentile Christians of sharing Jesus with Jewish people. You might offend your Jewish person. Well, I'll tell you what. Offend me, but at least tell me the truth about Jesus. I don't want to spend forever separated from the love of God. you got to tell Jewish people about jesus this is what you were created for i pointed out romans 11, 11 salvation has come to the gentile to provoke the jew to jealousy and that's why i'm mentoring you i find that when i have meetings with unsaved jewish people they don't even know that i believe in jesus when they come to the meeting they just come for a flat lecture on the supernatural and the moment i open my mouth And only God can do it. I can't make this happen. There is a corporate anointing, and people are physically healed. And once they're healed, once they see a miracle, I mean, why did Jewish people, thousands of them, flock to Jesus, this obscure rabbi? It wasn't because of his teaching. They would have never gone to him and heard his teaching. As marvelous as his teaching was, the reason they went to him was because they heard, this is a man doing messianic miracles, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. And they came, and then he earned the right to teach. And as he taught, they fell in love with him. That's exactly the way we should operate today. Demonstrate God's kingdom with signs and wonders and earn the right to proclaim the good news to Jewish people. And when you proclaim it to Jewish people, you open up a supernatural door to reach more Gentiles than if you did not go to the Jew first. Let me read you a couple of scriptures from the One New Man Bible that, I mean, they've been so significant in my life. First of all, did you know, that The Greek word for sickness can be translated evil. That's what is done in the One New Man Bible. For instance, uh, Mark 1, verse 32. Then as it became evening, when the sun went down, ending the Sabbath, they brought to him all those who had evil and those who were demon-possessed. In other translations, it says sickness. In other words, sickness is evil. Evil is something we have the signet ring of authority found in the book of Esther, which was just like the king. Anything, if you sign something with that signet ring, it was just like the king did it. And if you pray in the name of Jesus against evil It's just like Jesus is doing that. If you could only grasp this. But there is a dimension in the invisible world that is equally important to grasp. And the clearest picture of this, I find, in the One New Man Bible, is Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. And let me read this to you. And Yeshua said to them, You must have faith in God. And people say, oh, you keep preaching faith. Well, Yeshua said you must have faith in God. And it's by inference in God's word. And here is the faith that you must have, that Yeshua, Jesus, said you must have. Verse 23. Truly I say to you that whoever, that means you, whoever would say to this mountain, that means speak it out loud, Whoever would say to this mountain, you must immediately be removed and you must immediately be cast in the sea. You see, in the invisible world, everything is done. And we're, tr- we're transferring things from the invisible world to the visible world. So you believe even though there's a time element in the visible world, there's no time element in the invisible world. So you you speak as if you're part as much in the invisible world as the visible world. And so you say you must immediately be cast into the sea. And here's the thing. And would not doubt in his heart, but would believe that what he is saying is happening It will be to him. Because of this, I say to you, you must continually pray for everything. Then, for whatever you are asking, believe that you have taken it, and it will be there for you. But you see, you believe you've taken it if you have it in your hands. But God is saying, you believe you have taken it and then it will be in your hands. In order to reach into the invisible world, you must believe you have taken it. And we've been taught in a culture and in a society that seeing is believing. And God is saying, no, my word is stronger than anything you can see with your eyes. My word, you can snatch what you need from the invisible world. God told us clearly sickness is evil. It doesn't belong. And some of us command that evil to leave, and it doesn't go. And we say it didn't work, and then we just do plan B, C, and D. Well, I'm in favor of medicine until the invisible becomes visible. But I have to tell you this, whether you're taking medicine, whether you're going to a doctor, It's immaterial. What counts is believing that it is done. It is finished, as Jesus said. And that's the type of mentoring we want to do for you. You see, we have, it's not just me, we have the greatest teachers on planet Earth. And we have special DVDs every month we send in our mentoring kit for people to be mentored in the supernatural of God. But there's something new that's about ready to happen. It's so new, I've been, but, but I believe it. You know, see, I'm doing the same thing that, uh, that Mark told us to do, that Jesus explained, to, that, that Mark quoted Jesus, said that we were supposed to do. I believe it's already happened. I really do, and I have to catch myself sometimes. I believe that we have got our new It's Supernatural television network. You see, there's new technologies out. We haven't even purchased it yet, but I believe we have it already. And this new technology of software and hardware is the best the world has ever seen. It's everything you need to have your own network, and you can do it right on the computer to start. And it's going to be in high definition. Do you realize that we, I will be able to get on the air, and I'm going to be able to say something live And you'll be able to pick it up in high definition on your cell phone, wherever you live in the world, live. I mean, what technology we have for the last days. I believe that we're going to start this network with the archives of our TV shows. You know, we've been doing this so many years. And our first TV shows are as anointed as our last. The last may look better. But they're all anointed, some of the greatest teachers of every aspect of the power of God, of the fruit of the Spirit, of the gifts of the Spirit that the world has ever seen. 24 hours a day, right on your cell phone, right on your computer, right on your iPad. You can even get an adapter and put it right on your TV. Anytime you need a shot in the arm, anytime the devil's battering you, you just play it Supernatural. And the devil will flee, as in fear. And then we're going to put our prayer meeting on for you to join us. And then, one at a time, we're going to add new shows. And then we're going to put it on a satellite. And then we're going to have it originate from Jerusalem. I'm reminded of what Pat Robertson said in his uh, biography. Shout it from the housetops. And God said to Pat, you've made mistakes in the past, Pat, but you cannot make a mistake with Israel. And I believe that God gave Pat a commission to show the return of Jesus. Every eye will see it. It'll be on every cell phone in the world. And that's, he's given us that same commission, and we're going for it. You see, we're new, there's a new move of God's Spirit and there has to be a new delivery system and a new flock and group of of programs whoops my time has passed away but i want i want you to get my book the incomplete church it explains all the the end time events that i've been teaching on all this week and then a special pamphlet thesis of the bible guide and the one new man bible it's a beautiful bonded leather bible Really nice size print, 4,000 footnotes, a 170-page glossary of the Jewish roots of the faith written from an understanding of the power of God in the New Testament. The translation is using the sharpest, most powerful words to move in the power of God, available for a gift of $79. Shabbat broadcast, the Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord is keeping you right now. The Lord is smiling upon you right now. The Lord is giving you his shalom, his completeness right now in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. Take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Vichonecha, Yisrael nahei lecha, To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming mishpocha or Chalatzim, write to me, Sidroth, Post Office Box. 39222 Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast... Send a donation to Sid Roth, that's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.